Hi everyone, this is Spiritual Jada from the Words of Wisdom podcast show. How's everyone feeling today? I hope everyone is safe and well. So today we have a very special guest. She's an actress, a model, an author, a comedian, and an on-camera host. Her name is Wendy Stewart. Wow, she she's pretty impressive, right? She has a great extensive background. So Wendy, please introduce yourself to the viewers. really great and yeah I wear many many hats I'm an actress and author a model a documentary filmmaker um, a host uh, I, it must be something I'm leaving out somewhere in there but yeah I I do it all because I gotta do it all right if I don't do it all who else is gonna do it <laughs> I love that attitude <laughs> totally totally so yeah I just um what do I tell people I'm living my best life these days um you know march 12th as you know jada they shut down new york and right. all of the things i do that um are my career came to a crashing halt so march 12th they shut down new york and march 13th i was standing in the kitchen with my husband and he's a cinematographer so the two of us no work right and i said what are we going to do and he said i don't know and I looked at him, I said, I'm going to start a cooking show. That's what I'm going to do. And he said to me, Wendy, you don't cook. Now, <laughs> you, know, you, live, you live in New York. It's just too easy, right, to pick up the phone or go online. And well, let's face it, we can get food anytime, anywhere here. Yes. You know, so, so why cook? And you know we're also busy here in New York. So I decided to start a cooking show, which I call Pandemic Cooking with Wendy. And um, I called up Fresh Direct, and they have these pre-made, like they put the meals together in a box. So I thought, okay, that can't be very hard. And it comes with instructions on, on exactly what to do. So, um, you know, I was challenged, I have to admit, because I honestly never cooked before. Like, if you can believe that. And I've got a daughter who's 27. I don't know how she made it all the way to that age. <laughs> with a mom that doesn't cook. But... Um, my first, uh, my first dish I made was like a chicken dish, but what started to come through with pandemic cooking with Wendy, when the comments came through on, on Facebook, and then of course we started a YouTube channel for it. And what came through was people love the comedy on the show. Cause one of the things I have a background in and I was doing, I'm a club MC and I'm a stand-up comedian and I'm an impro improviser. So. That's what really came through in the show, and the rest is history. We have filmed 85 episodes of Pandemic Cooking with Wendy. Oh, wow. And I know, right? And I, you know what, Jada, I can't believe it myself, honestly. But I had such a great time, and in the early days of the pandemic, when people were really stuck really stuck in the house and in new york as you know we hit very high on that curve a lot of my i have like a a group of friends 22 of us we had not even seen each other for a few weeks before every one of them got sick oh my and god all, and myself included and my husband and daughter we all got covid so having this show to be able to do this and bring laughter and uh, relaxation and joy into people's homes 
was really everything for me. And that all appeared in the, the comments on Facebook. You know, I'm feeling terrible today. I'm coughing. I turned on pandemic cooking with Wendy and you just made me laugh. So it, what it allowed me to do, so, uh, you know, don't give up on me because yes, I do know how to cook now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good thing. At least he was able to learn something out right. of the entire show. So, right. Um, right. So, uh, I, I just want to talk about some of the modeling because I did some research on you and I noticed that you have some modeling in your background. So, what actually made you become interested in modeling and acting? So, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, and the answer is kind of crazy. You'll never get this answer from anyone. Um, from the time I was a little kid, I knew I was going to be a model. I knew two things. I knew I was going to go and work in Africa, and I knew I was going to be a model. I just knew it. And I remember being five years old and telling my mother, you know, when you know, in the U.S., like you have kids, they all talk about what they want to be when they go, go up. I would tell people, I'm going to be a model, and I'm going to go work in Africa. And those two things, of course, came true. So by the time I was in college, I already started taking like modeling shots that weren't very good. And um, in the beginning, in my early 20s, I can successfully tell you I was turned down by every single agency in New York. <laughs> and my story is one of determination. I went to Europe, I um, did, got a little more experience there, and I came back here. And I got one agency to take me. And this story is really a story of inspiration if anybody is listening out there. Because seriously, to have the door shut in your face by everyone, anyone else would have given up. But, you know, remember, I was determined to do this. So one agency took me and uh, the rest is history. I'm still modeling. I work with State Model Management and Wilhelmina and the specialty area that I'm in for modeling now that um, I'm very well known in is called fit modeling. Now I'm gonna ask you, do you know what fit modeling is? Do you know any fit models? No, I don't actually. Right, no, and most people don't know what it is. Like they think it's a fitness model. What fit modeling is, is I'm like the standard size eight. So when you go to the store, uh, let's say if you went to uh, J.C. Kenney or you know certain brands that you would shop, like I, I mean Fisher's one of my clients. Uh, Lord and Taylor was a client, but I do a lot of private label that had clothes in Lord and Taylor. I'm like a standard size eight. I have measurements that they make garments on my body to fit average American women, and then from there they grade the sizes up or down, uh, depending. But I'm making it sound simpler than it is. What happens is, a design, I'll give you the whole process. A designer will design something and then it'll be shown, you know, during fashion week, either in Paris or New York now. And it's, you know, a tiny little garment put on a 16 year old girl who's a size two. But how does that translate to American women? Women who have, you know, money in their pocket and want to buy clothes. My job is to take that garment and work with the designer and get that item of clothing to fit regular women. So I have to know about fabric. I have to know about measurements, what measurements to make it. And um, then they send it out to a factory to be made. And then the sample comes back. I try that sample on. I make more corrections for them. And then usually by that point, they'll do one more sample. I'll put it on. It'll fit. And then it is mass 
produced in the stores or even online. It can be in the Gap. It can be something that you would buy in Macy's. So that pretty much explains what fit modeling is. And uh, it's, it's great. But even, okay, during the pandemic, when everything shut down, there was nowhere for me to go and do this. So clients started calling me up and sending clothes from overseas to my house, these samples, and then we would have a Zoom meeting. And to me, this is so cool that we were able to do this, and I'm still doing it. I put the garment on, and we have the meeting, you know, just like you and I are having a meeting. And there's usually a couple of people up on Zoom, three people from the company. And I have good lighting, you know, I bought professional lighting. And I'll put the garment on, and we'll talk about it, discuss how to make it fit and what we need to do. And it, you know what? It's as good as me being there. And it's all we've got right now. So there you go. Right, right. I think that's pretty cool. I went to Barbizon um, modeling school when I was a child. And we, oh, cool. And um, that's pretty interesting that I never heard of a fit model, you know? Yeah. So, um, you know, you learn something new every day. That's pretty cool. <laughs> well, at least yeah. you're able to still, you know, model and do the things that you like to do. You know, thank God for Zoom, I guess, right? Where would we be? Thank God for Zoom. And, you know, you just brought up that you went to Barbizon. I have a great Barbizon story. Um, So I I wrote a book, as you know, it's called She's the Last Model Standing. And the book is filled with my stories from the modeling industry all the way from the very beginning into now. So I was about modeling for like four years in New York and I had a friend that worked at the Barbizon School of Modeling. Now, when you were at Barbizon, did they have a model agency there? Yes, um, so I'm, I was born in 82, so I think this had to be roughly the early 90s, probably like 95, 94, 96, something around that era. Okay, when, when, and that's when they had the modeling school. But um, back in the late 80s, mid to late 80s, they had a modeling school there too. And they um, they had some people that were at the Barbizon School of Modeling, but they also, they needed to have more models for the agency. So they took on people from the outside, and I was one of them. And the reason they needed to have these extra girls, this is a great story. They had a client coming from the South Bronx and um, his name was uh, Angel Santiago and he was going to be doing a beauty pageant in South America. So he needed models and we each had to be from a different country. And this is the funniest part, Jada. It had nothing to do with what your nationality was. He just gave you a country to be from. And mine was going to be Switzerland. So I have not one ounce of Swiss blood in my body. <laughs> I know, it's so crazy. And, you know, um, Miss Italy had no Italian blood in her. She was my girlfriend. She had no <laughs> Italian blood in her. So it, it, he, Angel gave us these countries to be from. And he told us we would be going to Caracas, Venezuela to compete in this beauty pageant. So um, and we were, it was going to be all expenses paid. And we would win prizes and things down there. And we would have two weeks of modeling lessons. Oh, and we would perform on TV down there too. So you know how like when you're in New York, you're such a snob about these things. You're thinking, okay, you know what? This is like, it's a free trip, right? Who wouldn't want a free trip with your friends to a great place, South America, 
Venice, Caracas, Venezuela, put up in five-star accommodations. And, uh, you know, so I signed on to do this, right? So, um, but thinking the whole time, this is going to be some kind of hokey beauty pageant, you know, not real or, or whatever, just like really small. We get down there. This is the best story. We're booked into this beautiful hotel, the Tamanaco Hotel, and this gorgeous five-star hotel back then. And then uh, Mr. Santiago tells us, um, you know, they had gotten us outfits to wear and bikinis, of course, for the swimsuit portion. And he said we were going to go down and have a rehearsal and take pictures with the host of our TV show. So I'm like, host of our TV show? Who could this guy possibly be? So he gets down there and he introduces us to this very good looking guy, but so tan and the whitest teeth you've ever seen. And his name was Julio Iglesias. And I had no idea who this guy was. He was not anyone I ever heard of. I figured he was some South American, you know, star or something. So we did all the promo pictures with him and we did the rehearsal. We were going to be dancing on the show with him and everything. And again, you know, you're like from New York. You think you know it all. I'm like, oh, this is not going to be anything. Well, Julio Iglesias, a year later, had the biggest crossover career from Latin music to international music. He was a major star and his son is Enrico Iglesias. Oh, wow. Right. Oh, wow. Right. And the television show that we were on where we did the pageant was so amazing. It was all first class. You know, other than the fact that I had this made up story about, you know, being from Switzerland and my parents being doctors, I even had a script I had learned, okay? (laughs) It was so funny, but here I am, I'm on your show and I'm telling you about, it was such a great experience and you know what, everybody who wants to model who's in their 20s should have something really fun like that happen to them. It was great and um, I was treated like a star and I had a banner that um, said Miss Switzerland on it or in Spanish said Suiza and I just I had the best time so in my book all of my there's so many stories like this but they all end up with you know me kind of not knowing me being skeptical sometimes maybe it's not going smoothly but in the end you know I end up on both feet smelling like a rose and that's what it's about That's a great story. So where would we be able to find this wonderful book about um, your modeling stories? And where else would we be able to find some of your work to check you out and stuff? Okay, I'm going to give you all my handles because there's a lot of them. So my book is called She's the Last Model Standing. And you can get it on Amazon. And then um, on Instagram. My Instagram account is She's the Last Model Standing. My show, Pandemic Cooking with Wendy, is on my YouTube channel. And my YouTube channel is called Wendy Stewart TV. So that's really easy to remember, Wendy Stewart TV. And then on Facebook, I'm on Wendy Stewart. And again, it's S-T-U-A-R-T. And um, my documentary films that I make and travel to Africa for. See, I told you I wanted to go to Africa from the time I was a little kid. So um, my documentary films can be found on um, Visual Journeys, Our Stories on Facebook. And 
Yeah, I think, I, and then I'm, of course I'm on Twitter, which I never get to. You know what, Jade? It's just too many handles. Just too. <laughs> I totally handles. agree. I totally agree. Like the right. social media is like, ah, uh, there's so many th- different things that you have to be on to like promote yourself, to yes. engage with your um, audience, your peers. It's just a lot. It's a lot. It's so totally much. a lot. So um, I want to take a turn a little bit. So I did some research and I did find out that you studied voodoo in Nigeria. That's yes. pretty amazing. So I would love to go over some quick questions about your journey. Cool. So mm-hmm. can you let us know, like, how did that come into play? Like, how was how how were you afforded you know, to be able to learn, you know, voodoo. I hear it's like pretty ancient, you know? Well, here's the thing, you know, it was supposed to happen, right? I was supposed to become a model. I was supposed to go to Africa, but how? I was in college. Um, I went to SUNY Binghamton. And um, that summer, everybody was applying for programs. It was my junior year and everybody was applying to programs. Um, in the anthropology and archaeology department for Israel and Egypt, and it was very, very competitive. My boyfriend at the time was a filmmaker, and he said there's a really cool program in Nigeria for in the Black Studies department. I said, but we're not Black Studies students. And he said, let's do it anyway. So I said, okay, I'm game. I'm dying to go to Africa. So uh, I went off and was doing like a two-week archaeology program, right? I was digging for ancient artifacts in upstate New York. And um, all of a sudden, I, I get a call, and it was from the university that both he and I had gotten into the program in Nigeria that was going to be a couple of months, and um, I could study anything I wanted. And I always was um, fascinated by alternative religions and traditions you know religion and tradition that is not what we study here and again that's something that's just in me it just fascinates me i love other cultures and um all of a sudden i knew a lot about african deities and i knew how uh powerful shango was and i thought wouldn't it be great to go there and get um, experience going to rituals and seeing Shango actually work within a person and publishing a paper on it, you know, doing a paper on it for my university credit. So I put that down as my proposal. And my boyfriend at the time put down for his proposal that he wanted to shoot uh, traditional African festivals. So the two things really kind of went together. And we went there and we were. Um, So if you know anything about Nigeria, um, Lagos is the capital. We were nowhere near Lagos. We were six hours out on what they called the good road. Let me tell you, that was not a good road. (laughs) I can only think what the bad roads were. I mean, um, you know, it was like dirt, but it was flat dirt as opposed to, you know, the bumpy kind of dirt. And we were like six hours out from the capital, Lagos, and we were in a village called Ife. If anybody's listening, they would know that village because there's a university there. And um, almost immediately, you know, I I had to take classes and I had to learn to speak Yoruba. And um, I, I was setting up my schedule to find out about when the festivals were and everything because um, the Yoruba people have 
well, and the Ibu too, or all, all people have, you know, their list of festivals throughout the year. And that's where you can see a lot of the really incredible traditional stuff. So while I was doing that, I, I met, um, this fabulous person that came up to me in class and introduced himself as G-Day Abe Gunde. And, um, he was such a funny guy because he loved anything about American culture. He even like would recite lines from movies. He would memorize, they had a little theater in Ife. I mean, Ife was a village with tin roof, you know, houses made out of cinder blocks and dirt roads, okay? But they had a little theater. And every time they would show an American film there, he would go there and watch it like six and seven times. And he would be able to quote things that they said in the movies. So he loved American culture and he immediately took to us. And I told him what I wanted to do and, um, you know, what my plan was. And he said, well, he said, I can get you into any festival. I can get you anywhere because my uh, grandfather is the traditional doctor of Oyo State. So I really didn't know what, I knew what traditional doctor was, but I didn't know how powerful that person was that in that part of Nigeria, that anything that you could want to do that he would make it happen. So that's, that's what ended up happening for us. And, um, because I was with G-Day, I was immediately accepted, um, by his family, the people that knew him. I got privy to see things that, um, in traditional medicine that absolutely cannot ever be explained. And, you know, I've told people this here and they're like, oh, come on, it had to be a trick. It wasn't a trick. I mean, you're talking about religions, right? That are thousands of years old. Thousands of years old. how can we even question them? And I, I never did. I never questioned anything. Um, at one of the festivals for Shango, I saw somebody, you know, become taken the spirit of Shango and pick up a hot coal and put it in his mouth. And we were all in a circle around him and he was dancing as he felt the spirit within him. And, um, when he was done, he took the coal, hot coal, you're talking about hot coal, he took the coal out of his mouth and threw it on the floor and there wasn't one blister or anything in his tongue. And I've had people here say to me it was a trick. I can honestly tell you it wasn't. I am I am a very level-headed person. I'm also a very open person. And I've seen really in- incredible things. Um, one of the films that we uh, finished a couple of years ago called Fragile Beauty are about three tribes in Ethiopia that I had read about online that had incredibly beautiful traditions and I wanted to go there and make a movie about it and within those people it was at the Hammer people we were invited to um, what they call it's a festival called the Jumping of the Bulls it's when a boy becomes of age and He's, you know, to become a man, he has to jump across the back of eight bulls. So he's basically lifted up and he has to kind of leap through the air across the back of the late of these bulls, right? And if he falls, you know, he loses face in the village and, you know, the the girls won't want to marry him. And it's, it's a festival about, you know, keeping your pride, keeping your honor. So... We were invited to this festival, and the way it started is the um, men and the women are dancing together, and then the men, and this is also true, and this just happened a few years ago, they have branches, and they start hitting the women on the back 
with the branches. Now, if we did that here, they were hitting them really hard and some of them, you know, had marks, they were bleeding. If we did something like that here, right, you or I, we would be in pain. Absolutely. Right, the women were dancing and laughing. What? Oh my God. Right, it's like, and I talked to, you know, I know scientists, I know people that are studying all kinds of things. I did get an explanation from somebody about that, that just there's people in different cultures can be developed so differently than than we are here in this Western culture that they do not process pain the same way we do. And I can honestly tell you, and I have this on film, the film's called Fragile Beauty, and that was one of the things I talk about in the film. Uh, the women were dancing up and down and having a really great time. And uh, when I put the film out, because it was going into festivals both here and in Europe, I didn't put it out showing the, the bloody backs of the women because I, my, the way I am, I want to open you up and bring you into my world. I don't want, I don't want people judging what they see. Right? Absolutely, I, make, I like I that. Make, right, the information's got to be digestible. I want them to understand about other cultures. So yeah, that so my first foray into uh, Nigeria was with uh, my friend Shango, and interestingly enough, since then there have been uh, places I've been in Africa, uh, fundraisers I've been to here because people know how much I love Africa and the people and the conservation there. I've gone to these fundraisers and more than a few times I've won things that I've bid on. And it'll be a beautiful statue, and I'll turn it upside down, and it's Shenko. So I tell I tell people that Shenko has followed me through my life. That you know he's making sure everything's okay for me. Right. So where could we be able to see this film? It's independent. Um... It's still in festivals, so um, it's not out there in a commercial way and I have to keep it, you know, still submitted to festivals. You and I should stay in touch and then when we um, when it's not going around anymore, I can send you a link to it. Um, okay. You know, I, we just had it, my husband's right here, what was the festival it was just in? London. Oh yeah, right, it's in the London International Film Festival, which is online. And the film, so I can give people that handle. It's the London International Film Festival. It's online, and because all the film festivals this year, because of COVID, are online. And um, you can go on, and it's under the listing of films that they're screening there. And I believe that that festival is going on now. Okay, there's a lot of festivals going on. Um, also, I was invited to the Nuku uh, Fest. I went last year, it was pretty good. It's like independence. They have uh, independent films. They have all different uh, type of films from, you know, in Europe, in Asia, America. It's wonderful. Um, I learned so many different things. I was able to speak to so many different people. I love cultures as well, and I like to network. So I think the festivals are pretty good, but I'm more of a hands-on person. So I'm, like, waiting for this COVID to, like disappear so that way you know people can enjoy and engage with each other this is so oh, awful it's totally and um i i'm 100 percent with you i mean this is what we have right now so when my film gets taken into a festival i just 
you know, I kind of go with the flow and make sure, um, you know, I get the film to them and I do, sometimes they have Q and A's, you know, question and answers with panels and things. So I do that as well. But again, it's all online. As you know, if you went to this festival last year, you had the red carpet, right? Right. You got to shoes, right? It was pretty, it was pretty nice. It was downtown, you know, in the financial district. Um oh. It was really nice. It, it was really nice. Um, I it made me open up to want to, cause I do. I have some books as well. I do the podcast show. I've done some acting, but it made me also want to pierce in a little bit of you know making my own movie. So you know, yeah, that that was pretty cool. You know, absolutely. Go for it. I'll tell you one of my favorite festivals that. Um, Oh gosh, you could you could probably have this person on your show virtually too. I am um, hooked up with the African Film Festival, and it's out of Dallas, Texas. And before this year, it was all online, but it's filmmakers from independent filmmakers all over from all over Africa, and women whose films would totally knock your socks off. So talented. And in so many cases made like in countries where there's all kinds of conflict and everything else. But Jada, I have to tell you, their films are beautiful and insightful and done with the same professionalism as a Hollywood production with a lot less money. And the beauty of the African Film Festival is, you know, when it's live, the filmmakers do come from all over Africa. They come here to Dallas where we have the festival. But last year it was online and that was really cool too because I attended some of the panels there and people were, you know, the time change, I think, you know, some of the filmmakers, it had to be the middle of the night <laughs> when they were getting on and being part of this panel. But the films were so incredible and that's part of the experience for us, isn't it? To meet people from all over the world. Right, right. Um, when I did some research on you I'm like wow she has so many journeys like you know especially from going to the Amazon can you explain a little bit about that before um we go about your journey with the Amazon sure I first of all I love the Amazon and I went there to make a very short piece about um so the native um people that live in the Amazon the indigenous people they were um, dynamiting the Amazon to get fish, so make it make it easier. All the fish would go to one area, and then they would sell the fish and the market. That was part of their livelihood. So there was somebody down there that came up with a better idea. He's like, "Why are you doing this in the Amazon? We'll help you in your villages create these fish ponds. With it's a fish, it's kind of like a piranha, but it's very edible." very tasty and it grows really quick. So he helped replace the dynamiting of the Amazon, which is totally bad, with um, a source of income. Because you know what, people don't understand with all this conservation stuff, you just can't go in there and tell people that have been living their lives like this, you gotta stop. Not cool, that is not cool. <laughs> right. Right, or you gotta tell, you know, or hey, this is, you can't do that. They have to make money, they have to feed their families. So I wanted to go down there and uh, show you know what they were doing with this project, which was really cool. But also while I was there, there was um, a local woman who had opened up a rescue center 
for all kinds of animals who um, the mothers get poached. So what happens with poaching when they, you know, kill an animal for either the meat or medicinal purposes, the babies are left. So she opened up like this rescue center and it was filled with all different kinds of uh, monkeys, um, some different kinds of cats that you would find there birds and um it was all to help save these animals and some of them could be released you know because they weren't in the rescue center for too long but in other cases they couldn't be released at all because they you know they came in as very young babies they were fed by people in the rescue center so those animals are what we call imprinted so once an animal is imprinted you can't release them they really will never learn how to fend for themselves so they just live out their lives in these rescue centers and there was a really beautiful one in the you know in the amazon and it was just great to go there and see the animals and see how well they were doing and i i love the amazon i love it because it's so so wild and for the most part not developed However, all that is changing now. It's it's just sad. You know, with logging, they're cutting down trees. Right. So when they cut absolutely. trees, a little... No, absolutely. I totally, totally agree with you. I have an Instagram page where... Um, I just make my page where is awareness about everything that's going on in the world between different cultures. And just to piggyback off of what you said, um, yeah, I believe the Amazon was like on fire for like days, right? Yeah, it is because what they're doing is, you know, they, they burn out parts of the rainforest, um, you know, so they can clear it for farming or uh, to use it for other purposes. It can be oil, it can be farming, it can be rubber, it can be any of those things. But, you know, then the animals all die. And then you have a lot of indigenous people. These are people whose cultures have been this way for hundreds of years. And you know what, they're doing just fine. You can't take and put them in the cities. And that's what happens. And they get in the cities. They don't even know how to fend for themselves. They end up begging on the streets. And it's absolutely tragic. But this is something that's going on all over the world. And you know what? I'm hoping, maybe, right? Because I see the world through rose-colored glasses. That in the future, that people will have a wake-up call. They'll stop doing what they're doing in the Amazon. It's going on in Africa as well. That it will stop. It'll just absolutely stop and people will be able to go on and, and live their lives the way they want to. I mean, that's I, what I'm I, assuming so, so um, but, you know, like that's been happening, like, you know, for many centuries. I'm just, yeah. my. I think my whole uh, issue with is everything with what you said, you know, basically building these technologies and these type of places but also like the amazon i heard is like responsible for like 85 percent of our oxygen so yeah like you you've done your homework you you are absolutely right and one of the coolest things the medicines a lot of the medicines that we have here that we've made synthetically were based on plants from the Amazon. The traditional people in the Amazon, I was um, on the river with um, a local, he was a chief and he's since passed away. And his his nickname was Milton. I can't remember his name in his local language, 
but he took us into the rainforest and showed us plants. And I had somebody to translate plants that could make you better from all kinds of diseases. They even had, this was unbelievable. Um, you know, here you've heard that we have a morning after pill. They have a plant that's just like that there. If, you know, it, yep, and it was a plant. You know, and he explained it to the translator. And I said, what you did, it was, that was my reaction. I'm like, what? <laughs> yep. Any, any of the medicines that we have here are duplicated in, in nature. They're definitely duplicated in nature. But you know what, Jada, if they keep cutting down everything, we're not going to have anything. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Right? You know? I don't know. I, I'm going to follow you on Instagram, though. Um, Right. I, I, so cool that you're doing that. Thank you for your part. Yeah, I just felt like um, there's nothing wrong with, you know, uh, trying on clothes, uh, being rambunctious on your channel, whatever you choose to do. That's, uh, you know, whatever you want to do. But I just chose to use my channel as something informative where people can learn about society's deception about all these wonderful things that that has been hidden you know for whatever reasons it is but I just want to bring everything out to light like I believe everyone deserves to at least know what the whole goal is in America even though America is a corporation but hey you know, I try to just use my channel as um, something informative, just a oh, learning channel. It's so great! What? So tell me, where? I, how do I follow you on Instagram? Oh, I follow, I follow you. We'll definitely do that after the show. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. We'll we'll switch information. Um, so right before we go, um, I just wanted to ask you a few questions about stand-up uh your com comedy career because i know you said you did some stand-up work i wanted to know like what made you get into that and where can we find some of your work at well I, again um it all this is in my book so again the book is she's the last model standing and it's on amazon I got into stand-up comedy because in, in my real life, you know, I'm told all the time that I'm funny. And as an actress, I get cast in comedic roles all the time. So it seemed like a logical thing to do. And, um, you know, I like, let's see, comedy is how you see the world, right? And I like to take, you know, the worst possible situation you can be going through and kind of look at the funny side of it make a, make a joke out of it now there's nothing funny about the pandemic however i named my show pandemic cooking with wendy that alone is just that's a crazy title for a show but it puts a smile on people's faces because there's all these regular serious cooking shows out there and then mine is pandemic cooking with wendy and i write comedy I perform comedy. I write uh, parodies, which is I take songs and I put new and different words to it. Sometimes it can be political. Um, you know, now we're coming into the Christmas holidays and um, I wrote a couple of things about the holidays to tunes that you would have known. So it's just I have a funny sense of humor and 
that's what I relate to in other people. You know, that's the best thing. I always believe that if you can laugh together, then that's the best way people can communicate. Don't you think? Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Actually, um, laughter, they say you actually lose 500 calories. And when you frown, that's about a thousand calories that you gain. I didn't know that. So I'm like, wow, it has a ring to it. I guess being happy and smiling and laughter, it does the body good. See, I learned that on your show today. So there you go. We can always learn something. Absolutely. And I definitely learned some stuff about, you know, your trip to Amazon and especially all of that great stuff that um, you went through in Nigeria. That was really, really excellent. I mean, I don't really know too much about Nigeria, but that's just, it's just good that you were able to go through those type of things. And I can't wait to go get your book so that way I can learn more about you. To me, books are wonderful. They take you places where your feet cannot take you so i definitely would be um excited about getting the book so i can learn more about your journey all right so i just want to let you know um go ahead i'm sorry no i'm thanking you and i can here's what i can guarantee jada i know you're gonna laugh i'm gonna hear you laughing out loud in my in my mind (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yes because um i i enjoyed the show you have a lot of great interest um interesting stories like i wish we could sit here and listen to everything but that's another reason why i'm gonna go get your book because i know your stories are gonna be great um also, I just wanted to let you know it was a pleasure to have you on the show, Wendy. Um, I learned so much about you. I definitely will follow all your social media. And I just basically want to wish you well on all your en- endeavors. Okay? It was great yeah. to meet you. All right? So, um, everyone else, um, make sure you go out there and buy her book. Make sure you follow her social media. You also check out her website. Can you let me know what your website is really quick? Really quick. It's www.wendystewarttv.com. And Stewart is S-T-U-A-R-T. And if you have any problems with anything, just Google me, Wendy Stewart, and my name will come up. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. Well, the show must come to an end. Uh, Everyone knows the drill. Follow me on Instagram, spiritual underscore Jada, Twitter, words of wisdom. And you always can email me at spiritual.jada at gmail.com. I love all the feedback, the criticism. I love it all. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Peace and blessings, and I'll see you in two weeks. Bye.